When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the McCovey Croncast, the only San Francisco Giants podcast to feature a Brian and a Doug. In this case, it's me, Brian Murphy, former managing editor of McCovey Chronicles. With me is Doug Brizzoni, who writes about the Giants at giantsdoug.substack.com. Doug, nothing interesting happened this week. Would you agree? Uh, no. <laughs> no, that seems very inaccurate. Uh, it's almost like you just said something clearly wrong to get a response out of me as a fodder for conversation. That's but right. You wouldn't stoop so low. That's right. I would say it's one of the least uh, least interesting three and three <laughs> weeks I've ever seen as a Giants fan. Uh, actually, it would it would see it would seem that everything that was interesting about the Giants this week happened off the field. I don't know if you'd agree with that, but uh, a lot, quite a lot happened that that didn't happen in between the. In the lines, the foul lines. <laughs> well, I wouldn't agree with that either. I mean, there were two uh, there were two late comebacks that were very interesting, at least. I, but I, uh, yeah. it was more interesting what was happening off the field. I would the, say that is fair. The two Reds' losses were so deflating to me that that I it, it was hard for me to sit there and go, oh yeah, I guess at the end of the day they went three and three this week. But uh, yes, that, yes. I mean, quite also because uh, the last Reds game was on Peacock, and that was the one they won. It was basically <laughs> like they went two and three because right. it's not like anyone watched that game. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I guess we'll talk about the games in a in a minute. I think we need to. The way I ordered today's rundown was I, I want to get the serious stuff. Get we need to talk about the serious events that have occurred that have led to Giants related news, and then we'll kind of ramp up into. The other stuff I, I want to talk about the Uvalde shooting insofar as it relates to Gabe Kapler's decision to skip coming out the for the national anthem at the beginning of every game because uh, he you know doesn't feel that the that the country's heading in a good direction certainly not uh, land of the free situation and I wanted to talk about it because uh, as it, it involves the Giants, obviously, but also because uh, Gabe Kapler is already getting some blowback from, I guess you'd say, some usual suspects. But I, I wanted to get in a sense, Doug, of, of uh, taking your stand as a manager, taking your position as a baseball manager to make any sort of social commentary. Uh, where do you sit with that? I mean, it's something that I think he felt like he had a moral obligation to do. And, you know... I don't think Gabe Kapler, I don't want to say he doesn't care, but it doesn't, it's not going to affect him one way or another, how people react in the clubhouse. You know, there was that tweet going around this week that said in back in 2004, you know, the red, there was a poll that went around the Red Sox clubhouse that, that polled the players on where they were politically. And there were 24 Republicans and one Gabe Kapler. Yeah. Um, and so he's, he is going to be himself. He is going to, 
uh, well, not stand up, but not stand up for what he believes in um, because he's, you know, he just can't stand what's happening in the country. And I think there's a lot of people who agree with him and that's his moral stand. And let's all get angry at him for uh, something. Right. Well, I agree with him. I'm one of the people that agree with him. I'm going to read from his blog post. And just for just briefly, he wrote a blog, uh, blog post about this that you can find at caplifestyle.com. Uh, article is, is home of the brave? Question mark. Every time I place my hand over my heart and remove my hat, I'm participating in a self-congratulatory glorification of the only country where these mass shootings take place. On Wednesday, I walked out onto the field. I listened to the announcement as we honored the victims in Uvalde. I bowed my head. I stood for the national anthem. Metallica riffed on City Connect guitars. My brain said, drop to a knee. My body didn't listen. I wanted to walk back inside. Instead, I froze. I felt like a coward. I didn't want to call attention to myself. I didn't want to take away from the victims or their families. There was a baseball game, a rock band, the lights, the pageantry. I knew that thousands of people were using the game to escape the horrors of the world for just a little bit. I knew that thousands more wouldn't understand the gesture and would take it as an offense to the military, to veterans, to themselves. But I am not okay with the state of this country. I wish I hadn't let my discomfort compromise my integrity. I wish that I could have demonstrated what I learned from my dad, that when you're dissatisfied with your country, you let it be known through protest. The home of the brave should encourage this. So, I mean, we have the Giants manager, the San Francisco Giants manager taking a political stand, which I don't view to be all that political. I understand that uh, that gun violence has been politicized. But for me personally, I view that as um, a cynical move by moneyed interests in the gun industry (laughs) more than I view it as a genuine political beef that people have. Because at the end of the day, I think almost everybody uh, who's a human being agrees that um, dozens of people being killed by a gunman is wrong. And so beyond that, I don't know what the politics of that are. Somebody should do something. That sounds like what the protest is to me when I read it, that the status quo is not okay. I think Gabe Kapler saying, I don't want it to be about me and all that stuff. I mean, when you're an individual making a single protest and you're announcing it, it gets into this dicey territory where that's where, again, cynical people with other interests might be able to view it that way. Tony LaRusso has already come out and, I don't know, dribbled out whatever nonsense his adult brain has about how that's not the appropriate place. You don't disrespect the flag. I think Lenny Dykstra said something. Uh, and it's to, to me, it's that's why I said the usual suspects are complaining uh, because it, their posturing feels as empty as the people saying thoughts and prayers after 19 school children and two teachers are killed in their own classrooms. And they're saying, I, we pray, you know, and all that stuff. It, it's as empty a gesture. I'm going to stand up for the flag. And it's much easier to say that you disrespecting the symbol is worse than an act, than loss of lives. I seem like, it feels like, Doug, that people forget that we only get one life. <laughs> and when it's someone else's life, it's even easier for people to forget that, that the loss of a life matters a great deal. We don't get those back. But um What's what he said? I do look at baseball as an escape, but I'm not one of those people that thinks that the real world has no right to intrude on my entertainment. Not at all. So 
but we needed to bring it up. It was worth talking about. And I think it's fine for a baseball manager to protest an injustice they see in the world. Yeah, I mean, I think it's obvious. Okay, and the other thing I want to add is people who complain about the method of protest, it is the perfect protest. Like Cap's protest, Cap, Colin Kaepernick's protest was also the perfect protest because they're not even obstructing anything, not getting in his way. He's not marching on the freeway. You know, he's not doing anything to hurt anybody in any way. He's just making his position known in a public way. That is what you want in a protest. They're not shutting down streets. They're not... Nobody has to accommodate anything that he's doing and they're still complaining. And the people who are complaining about it are complaining, not really because of the way of, of, is, that he's protesting, but because they just don't want to see a protest. They just right. don't want him to do it. It was the same thing with Kaepernick. And, you know, Kapler is not going to face the same consequences that Kaepernick did in terms of never having a career again. But uh, and that's. Well, there's a lot of reasons for that, but we don't need to go into those. Uh, <laughs> well, I was also going to say, like, well, let's not be so hasty. The Giants aren't playing that well. So. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, Kapler has Farhan behind him. You know, he's he's not going anywhere for a while. Yeah. I think that's pretty clear. Um, and so I think the people who are complaining about, well, you don't do it then. Uh, that just means you don't do it. You know, when Tony Lewis says you don't do it during the anthem, he means don't do it. Um, yeah. And the response to that is, shut up, Tony LaRussa. Just shut yeah. up. Nobody yeah. cares what you think. Uh, the These conservative Spocks that are out there, it is illogical to show emotion of any kind. Um, and there's only one time you can do it. It's every seven years in some blood bloodthirsty ceremony that only I know about. You know, that it, it's always um, people express their grief and outrage in plenty of different ways. And, you know, unfortunately the people that would criticize Kapler are probably the ones that either stay silent or support the truckers who are driving around for no reason, but are clearly expressing their, are protesting about something they feel is an injustice as well. Uh, So this is about people dying through gun violence. Uh, I think, I think he's got a legitimate beef. I I agree with you. I agree with Kapler. Uh, I don't know how this issue is going to evolve over the year, uh, over the season, I wonder if any of the players are join, will join him. I guess we'll find out. Um, so we'll we'll lay that topic down there. We're we're a baseball fan podcast, so our our tool set for talking about this subject uh, is very limited. But um, someone speaking from the heart about something that matters, I I think we can't criticize Cap for that. Now, I do think we can criticize. Um, Actually, I have no criticisms about this next topic. Tommy Tommy Pham slapped Jock Peterson. Yes. <laughs> Jock Peterson both upset Tommy Pham. Is way, the way I understand it is Tommy Pham was upset because Jock Peterson was doing some roster shenanigans with the IR in their fantasy football league and basically withholding players from being available by putting them on his IR. And, and that caused some consternation in the group chat and somehow it got around to Jock Peterson when he was not a member yet of the he was neither a member of the Dodgers nor the Giants tweeting a gif at Tommy Pham uh, it's of the Giants and the Dodgers uh, and the Padres uh, all sort of like doing with their label their labels over work at muscleman faces and they were doing um, lifting weights and then the Padres one collapses i'm going to play the clip right now um it was 
like, and I'll show you, I guess. It was like three weightlifters lifting. And because they were a really good team, so it was kind of making fun of how they were uh, not playing well to make the playoffs with a very talented team. So, uh, <laughs> uh, it's very rare that explaining a joke makes the joke funnier, but <laughs> no, in this case, it absolutely does. Um, <laughs> like, well, you know, the Padres, they, uh, they were good. And then they were suddenly really bad. So I posted a gif about how they were bad and they weren't going to make the playoffs. Uh, so that's what was going on there. It's borderline. And I thought these racing stripes on the side here were pretty yeah. sharp. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has stories about fantasy football beefs, but I'm pretty sure this is the first time it's happened with Major League Baseball players that it's spilled out onto this. But before the series even started, if you're if you're only listening to us for news, which my goodness, thank you. Um, during the warmups before the Cincinnati Red Series started at all on Friday, Tommy Pham went over to Jock Peterson, talked to him, and then he slapped him. And and he had more to say about that. But uh, what's the worst fantasy sports beef you've ever been in? Uh huh. <laughs> one time, a friend of mine in uh, in 2004 picked up Michael Tucker on his team, and I was like, "Man, what are you doing?" And I, I, I haven't talked to him since. Um, <laughs> I mean, so, that's unforgivable, right? Yes. Tommy Pham was uh, asked not to participate in the game on Friday. He agreed. Major League Baseball investigated the incident and suspended him. Uh, Tommy Pham addressed the issue, and he said that, that Jock Peterson had said some shit I don't condone, and I had to address it. And... Later, he explained that the fantasy football league dispute was serious and that Peterson was, quote, messing with my money. Uh, Fam expand on that, explaining that he is, quote, a big dog in Vegas and, quote, a high roller at many casinos. <laughs> These are quotes from the Adam J. Morris article on SB Nation at Lone Star Ball. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. I, I didn't realize... We passed on Tommy Pham being the most, um, you know, most loathsome red when we did our survey. I don't think this would still elevate him to the list, but I do real need to realize, like, there is something going on with Tommy Pham. Yeah, something's <laughs> something's not right there. I mean, my my uh, my tweet on this was Tommy Pham, and then like in parentheses, while losing eight thousand dollars on the hand of Baccarat, <laughs> King Kong ain't got shit on me, and that's that's exactly what he's doing. You know, like, <laughs> like he's acting like he's this huge badass. It's uh, and you're like, OK, but a dude posted a gif like, yes. calm down. You can just <laughs> take it down every notch. <laughs> this was uh, the same Tommy fam who in 2020 got into an altercation in a strip club parking lot and was stabbed and required uh, 200 stitches to close the wound. So he is definitely uh, uh, on the edge. He lives on the edge, I would he likes, say. He likes to live dangerously, like That's Austin right. Powers playing blackjack. He's That's a five. Right. He stays and says, I like to live dangerously. For one thing, the slap worked. Let's be clear that the Reds slapped around the Giants pretty well. 
the, the whole altercation leading to the Giants basically all, then losing the first two games in the series, and I don't think they've led to those two. I think the Reds throwing starters with basically 100-mile-an-hour fastballs and wicked sliders is what caused that. Um, it's hard not to see the see a brief connection. You would think it would fire the Giants up. This guy came over and slapped uh, one of our guys, but that, that was not the case. And instead, we had to endure pretty pretty bad baseball games for the first front of the year. But uh, any, any closing thoughts on, on this slap? <laughs> um, I'm just sad the story is over and it seems like there's going to be no more complications because every news story about it that added to it made it better. Yes. Um, the, the serious reporting from the yeah. Giants beat writers was a great part of this. Um, was going in the the clip I played was just the very end of basically a two and a half minute clip. Jack Peterson in serious tones on Friday talked about it. Talked about the rules of the fantasy league, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> um, we know that Faron plays with the the players as well, and I just wonder if they're ever if it's now that they know what's possible if some version of that's ever going to happen. It'd be well, funny to see far, Brandon. Our own version of uh, of slapping would be to uh, DFA you. That's, so. right. That's right. That's right. But then Brandon Crawford showing up in a box seat. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess the only other part of that that the only other part of that that I wanted to mention. Nobody hesitates to disrespect the the Padres. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, I have to delete my Twitter account before Tommy Pham sees it. <laughs> That's right. I think we all do. Okay. Um, all right. That was the only, wasn't the only news with Jock Peterson this week. I don't know if anyone else noticed, but he he bonded a little bit. He turned into Barry Bonds a little bit. This was after having a conversation with Barry Bonds uh, before uh, one of the games against the Mets. I don't know if you noticed that, Doug. If you were paying attention to Jock Peterson's offensive output this week, I was. Yeah, he um, he did very well. In those two games against the Mets after he had a conversation with Barry Bonds. A conversation that apparently went from batting practice through to, you know, when they went back into the clubhouse and almost had, and were about to take the field. He was like, oh, I got to go. I'm running late. Uh, he, Jock Peterson did not have his pants on 15 minutes before the game <laughs> per, per Andrew Baggerly. <laughs> Just talking to Bonds. Uh, so he had a three-homer game against the Mets in that, Absolutely wild 13 to 12 game that we're going to talk about in a moment. Uh, he homered again the next day. And um, he's been, uh, I, I guess all he had to hear was the idea of catching the baseball that with the bat. That was the, that was the big, that was the big thing that Bonds told him. And he's, it seemed to have clicked in some way. Let's hope it lasts uh, that it was Quite a week, though. Uh, what do you think Bonds said that really stuck with Jock Peterson? If you just had to come up with the dialogue, you were writing the scene. Um, he said, Jock, you're good enough. You're smart enough. And doggone it, people besides Tommy Pham like you. <laughs> and then Jock was like, most people don't like me. And Barry was like, no, but most people didn't like me either. You don't really need that last part. He's essentially been the Giants main character this week. It's yes. the jo- yeah, yeah. <laughs> and for a team that's supposed to be uh, just a bunch of anonymous meat puppets that generate discrete stats, that's that's very remar- That's quite remarkable. I I do wonder this: if the Dodgers stink is fully off of him, I feel like it's it's gone. 
I mean, I, I feel like the Dodgers stink is off him, but he might have some brave stink on him now. He may have some brave stink, yes. One of the comments I saw, I don't think it was from one of the Giants beat writers. It was just in response to the video clip that we played, was this man has won the last two World Series. <laughs> Uh, which is funny. I mean, yes, the, Jock Peterson, they basically $6 million. They got him for the base, baseball equivalent of nothing. He was just hanging around and he's been, you know, he's he's the most powerful hitter as we cited in the last week's podcast. He hits the ball the hardest. He's got great play, uh, plate discipline. His defense is suspect as being very kind, but <laughs> but uh, he's, he's definitely done everything the Giants have needed him to do. And let's Talk about the week that was. I mentioned already crazy game against the Mets. Giants win three and three. I tried to get Doug to agree that nothing the Giants did in the field was all that interesting because I think the Giants' three losses this week really sucked. <laughs> they were super bummers. Um, but just to circle back to that, the the taking two out of three from the Mets was actually very impressive. Um, you would have thought that the Mets, even with their starting, they have a lot of injuries in their rotation. The Giants didn't have to face Scherzer. And DeGrom wasn't there. You know, Scherzer's on the IL, so's uh, DeGrom. Um, and they handled who was like their best remaining starter, uh, Bassett from the A's, whom the Mets got from the A's. And, uh, you know, two out of three. And then with the Reds, I don't, I don't know what the hell happened. <laughs> yeah, I, neither do the Giants, yeah. honestly. Um, they just, they got there and Tommy Pham's strategy worked. I it, He thought it through and he was like, I bet if I slap Jock Peterson, it'll throw him off for like at least a game and a half. That's right. It's like, and, um, and it did. yep. It's like in um, Alien Covenant when the uh, Xenomorph approaches uh, Michael Fassbender's alien character and he lightly blows in its face and it freezes in its tracks. <laughs> Am I the only one who saw Alien Covenant? All right. Yes, you are. It's okay. That's right. Yeah. Uh, what, one thing to point out, since May 7th and coming in uh, and coming into, I believe, yesterday's games, we're recording this on Sunday after the Giants win 6-4 against the Reds. So coming into yesterday's game where they had the that really terrible 3-2 loss, the Reds were 13-8 and so they're 13 and 9 since May 7th, which is good enough for the second best record in in the National League uh behind the Dodgers, but you know, they started 3 and 22 and and basically they've turned it around and become a a completely different team. You would think that's bad luck for the Giants, but also there's a part of me watching this game going like, "Huh." Or these two those two losses going, "That's baseball." Yeah. Exact. I mean, uh, if the Giants had a faster inning than Joey Bart, maybe they tie the game in the ninth inning on uh, on Saturday. Probably not. Uh, I don't. Uh, That's very interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah. That's how you read that play—that it was all speed. No, uh, okay. <laughs> but I mean, it was some speed, and maybe you know he puts a little more. If he has, if there's a little more speed on it, maybe the right fielder has, hurries his throw a little bit more. Maybe it's a little bit off. You know, who knows what happens? Uh, I think the Giants were desperate though. And I think that's how I read that play. Yeah, and, I read uh, it as who cares. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I think it was just this is our best shot. Maybe maybe he'll th- his throw will be bad. I, it's a better chance that his throw will be bad than that the next guy will get a hit. Yeah, that's, probably. I mean, I don't know yeah. if that's true, but that's, yeah. I think that's what happened. Yeah, I 
it's it at that point definitely the feeling was like let's just get out of this game (laughs) (laughs) um that was the that was the whatever the opposite of rage quit is that was like nice quit it's like we'll just send (laughs) we'll send joey bart around that was oh i have to go to the bathroom okay yeah. No, no, that was in the oh, I thought you were saying. The, third base, the third base coach going. I have to go to the bathroom right now. So that's right. Let's, that's right. let's finish this. And as he's jogging back into the clubhouse, Gabe's like, "You had to pee." Yeah, I got it. Yeah, <laughs> it makes sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, there was. It's hard when they play games like this uh, during the season. There's, there's nothing to take away from it. There's nothing new to learn from it. You know. Are the are the Giants hitters not good suddenly? It's it's like no, they're they're gonna be good and they're gonna they're gonna be bad. And against the Reds, they've looked bad when they played in Cincinnati a lot. I feel like last year where they swept four games against what was a pretty good Reds team, that was the fluke to me. Um Yeah, I mean also on in Saturday's game, they went like one for seven hundred with runners in scoring position. Well, they um, were like two for um they were two. They had in t- they had ten at bats in the first three innings with runners in scoring position, and I feel at the end of the game they were like two for thirteen. Uh, yeah, at the and, end of that, and, and one of those hits was one of the was the last hit of the game. Right. Well, and one of the hits was a hit that just got the guy to to third. It, yeah. it was hit so hard. It was uh, Walton's hit single. He couldn't score anybody. Um, I guess just the the Mets game where they, they just got absolutely bombed. Uh, Alex Cobb, where no one could catch anything. Uh, so many balls hit on the ground, but also hit hard on the ground. Um, you know, Kevin Padlow then eventually got sent down after that game. Uh, although, as Dave Fleming was very quick to point out, you know, it, it's not all his fault. He took he got a lot of uh, hot grounders there. I just want to point something out this week, uh, that the Giants did not put Wilmer Flores at third base at all this week. And I can't help but feel they would have done better than three and three if they had done that. But I mean, but, we know this is this is your one baseball opinion. <laughs> We're like, Wilmer Flores should play third base every day. <laughs> I mean, they've won 13 of 15 with him there. What am I supposed to do with that? Um, uh, the, the other encouraging, the comeback against the Mets, I say it's a comeback. They blew a huge lead. Yeah, <laughs> then they did. Came back, yes, they blew a remarkable lead uh but they came back and won i i think that it was the comeback the they still won it obviously you beat up um edwin diaz is supposed to be a good pitcher but he does tend to have these weird um games or moments where he blows saves and being on the end of one of those that's great i guess it's the not folding after giving up that big lead um that was that was impressive i gotta say i think evan longoria he had four home runs this week I think him coming back and and uh, being a guy, that to me is what stood out this week as the as the most encouraging, the best part of the week. As as great as Jock Peterson was, what happened was is the guy the Giants signed to hit home runs hit a bunch of home runs. That, <laughs> that's what I saw. And so with Longoria, it was like, oh, the 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 hot corner, the one of the key guys on the infield and in the lineup has started to return to form very slowly that was the most encouraging sign yeah i mean getting longoria finally basically through his spring training which is mm-hmm. what was happening over the last few weeks um and maybe getting him through to be a productive player like he was at the beginning of the first couple months last year i mean if that holds up yeah that would be huge for the giants because they have had some troubles on offense yes <laughs> so um so getting a good 
a good version of Longoria, who's also excellent defensively, um, would be really, really important for them. The overall, though, the starting rotation is a little, we know it's it's not quite settled in, um, but the bullpen has looked, uh, well, we're going to talk about the bullpen after the break here. We're going to do our bullpen trust power rankings for May. We're going to do it a little bit early. I know the month's not quite over, so it'd be, I'm daring the Giants to reverse <laughs> our rankings, uh, which you'll hear right after the break. All right, the... Bullpen trust power rankings after the second month of the season. I got to say the bullpen overall this month really let the Giants down or felt like that it was a big step down for them. I don't know how you felt about it. They were bad. Yeah. They shouldn't have been so bad. That's how I felt. <laughs> uh, last month, do you remember what we what your thought was on the Giants bullpen? Uh, last month, I thought they were good and they were doing a good job. And they had a few guys who, you know, at the back of the bullpen who they didn't trust, but that made sense. They were going to get rid of them soon enough, and they got rid of them soon enough. And, uh, you know, like like a Hydra, two more took each of their place. <laughs> uh, I commented on the group, I still think it's a pretty solid group, all things considered. And Doug Brazzoni said, as good as a bullpen they've had this century. Yep. <laughs> That's right. That is what I said. This is the main lesson of the bullpen trust power rankings, which is that I invented them so that I would look stupid. Um, I didn't know that at the time, but it's it's how it works out literally every time. So in May, uh, we're discounting Sunday because I'm only looking at their at their stats through Saturday on baseball reference. 90.1 innings pitched, a 668 ERA. Um, a seven seven point three strikeouts per nine, one point six three WHIP, and uh, I just want to compare that six sixty eight ERA in May. In April, it was two twenty two in eighty nine innings. <laughs> so uh, they and then their WHIP was one point oh nine. So that definitely did worse this month, objectively. Um, last month we had, we're not going to go down the full list, listen to that one. Uh, but we had differing number ones. I had John Brebbia and, and Doug had Harleen Garcia. And uh, no, I, uh, I had much worse than that. I had Jose Alvarez. Oh, Jose Alvarez. Okay. Yeah. Don't, don't make me look good. On Sorry. This. So we have, so, uh, there was also a larger bullpen. So we, uh, and then because of the, delay the lockout they restructured it so that pitchers didn't get hurt as much i i wonder what the actual statistics for that actually were in terms of pitcher injuries one thing it definitely did do by letting teams have more pitchers was it suppressed the offense quite a bit and i think the numbers have shown very clearly that if teams have fewer bullpen arms that other teams score more runs so the baseball run environment has increased accordingly um not great for the giants as we saw (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the four run increase. Uh, okay. So we're going to just go back and forth through our list. I think there's eight players. So we're just going to go through our eight and anyone, whoever says it first, we'll talk about them. And, um, and so we don't have to repeat it. If they come up again, we'll, you'll figure it out the format if you're listening. Okay. So number, number eight, Doug, who do you have as your number eight? Uh, Zach Littell is Zach. in last place for me. Zach Littell thought it would be fun if he gave up just like a thousand homers this month. Uh, I don't think that's fun. 
No. Different people have different opinions. It's part of the rich tapestry of life. Uh, 11.2 innings pitched and 849 ERA. And I can't remember him striking anybody out, which was not not really his game. But uh, uh, anyway, he hasn't been good. Okay. So he's your number eight. My number eight, number eight is Tyler Rogers. Mm. Um, uh, my reasoning is that he's been um, god-awful. Um, nine innings, 17 hits, no home runs allowed. That's great. Two strikeouts, a lot of ground balls, a lot of, lot of medium to hard contact. Uh, the, the defense hasn't helped him. That's for sure. But his inability to strike guys out has really hurt him. That seems to be a fundamental skill of a baseball pitcher is being able to strike people out. And he just hasn't been striking people out. I think his month was definitely killed by his numbers look really bad because of the Mets, the seven earned runs he gave up in the one third of an inning in the 13 to 12 game. That's for sure. So you, you take that out, you know, he, he doesn't look quite as bad, but I think at the moment, because even in the first month of the season, he just didn't look quite as sharp or, or more likely that hitters were on to him a little bit more. He's faced some good teams, a lot of good lineups. We talked about that stat before the, um, the DRC plus the, baseball prospectus ranking of offenses faced by pitching staffs. The Giants have faced basically the best lineups in baseball. And I think they're really, that's where he, he's struggling right now. Um, so for me, I, I don't, I trust in the least that that's where it comes down. So um, I have him a couple spots higher. I have uh, one guy in between yeah. who we'll get to in a minute, but I think um, just not to say he's been good because he has not struck in almost, he is, had almost no strikeouts this month, which is uh, pretty disastrous. But you look at how weak that content contact has been against him, and it just happens to find holes again and again and again. And, like, I don't want to completely say – I'll put it like this. I'd rather have him in there than Zach Littell. Uh, like, I trust him more than Zach Littell, even with how bad that game against the Mets was and with the lack of strikeouts. Um, I think Tyler Rogers is more likely to recover. That said – He's been bad. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, all right. So you're number seven. Uh, my number seven is Jose Alvarez. Big okay. drop from being number one last time. <laughs> uh, but he has earned it. So good job, Jose. Way to make me look stupid. Like you do. <laughs> uh, he's He's been giving up a ton of walks this month. He is just, and just, every time it seems like he throws a pitch, it, it gets roped for a, a single or a double. Um, I, I don't know what's going on with him, but I don't like it and it should stop. <laughs> <laughs> and he should go back to being good. So he ended, he ended April with a 159 ERA and a 244 FIP. Ends May with a 511 ERA and a 461 FIP. Yeah, currently in May, he has an 810 ERA and a 645 FIP. Yes, uh, our rating our ratings basically kind of curdled pretty quickly within yeah, the first week. <laughs> they did. I think one of the issues with the trust rankings is sort of you know one of the Giants willing to expose certain players and Alvarez you know leverage spots. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with him going forward. My number seven is Jake McGee, and I kind of wish I had put Jake McGee eighth now because he's back on the roster, but he's the last time he pitched, he wasn't great. I think he was suffering from an ankle issue. 
He went on the IL and then he allegedly tweaked some things in AAA and has looked better and has more consistent velocity. But it's just tough to trust Jake McGee because um, I think even last year when he was going well, it was it could be shaky uh, in, in at surprising moments or just you would watch him pitch and you'd be like, is this guy going to make it through the batter? Like, it, it would look tough. So he hasn't even really pitched, and I'm or and I'm still ranking him above Tyler Rogers, but I'm sticking with it because I I still think uh, Jake McGee can strike people out. I mean, it was funny when they left his name off a lineup card. Yes. So yes. Well, how can I forget? That's right. <laughs> so Gabe Kapler on the same day he announces this protest, he forgets to put a player on the card and can't bring Jake <laughs> McGee into the game. So. Uh, okay, so your number six. Uh, so not, my next one is Luis Gonzalez. He, oh, sorry, we're, we're not going with Luis Gonzalez, are we? I don't uh, know why I didn't think about that. This, <laughs> in, in my blogging days, I would have been on top of that. All right, so Luis Gonzalez, go for it. Yeah, he. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not saying he's any good, but the first time he comes in against a team, he has that Ephus, right? That's and he right. throws that thing in, no idea what to do with it. <laughs> that if it's an 11 to 1 game, it's not going to be a 12-1 game unless he pitches back-to-back days, which we know he can't do. That's right. Um, he can pitch three days in a row. I believe he pitched back-to-back games. No, well, he did, but the second game he was worse. Yes. He went that second inning in the second game, and he just got lit up, uh, which, you know, I, I feel like that's on Kapler. That's I right. I think Kapler's got to protect his important arms. He's Luis got Gonzalez a- has a chance to be both Rookie of the Year and Cy Young Award winner, <laughs> like Fernando Valenzuela back in 1981. <laughs> And uh, and I think it's a real disservice to him that Kapler's not letting that happen. Um, I think I'm going to have to uh, agree with you and make sure that Gonzalez on the list. So there's actually nine guys. I don't know. I don't know how I could over overlook him. Uh, I I don't trust Tyler Rogers. I do <laughs> trust T- Jake McGee to strike somebody out, and I do trust Luis Gonzalez to come into a blowout game. So, and I think he's more likely, I think the Giants are more likely to get into a blowout situation than Jake McGee striking someone out. So, <laughs> that makes tracks for me. Uh, I think it's it's remarkable how many how many position players we're seeing pitching these days. Um, uh, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I think it's insane, to be honest. I mean, I, the weirdest part to me about it is that the Cardinals did it and it was fun. Yes. And like the Cardinals are now doing things that are fun. And I don't know about that. That is not the natural order of things. Yeah, that that doesn't really <laughs> that doesn't really work. Okay, so then that was your six? That was my seven. Seven. I have Latell nine, Alvarez eight, Luis Gonzalez seven. There we and go. And I have Tyler okay. Rogers there at we six. Go. Okay. All right, Tyler Rogers is yours. So then that would be so yeah, now I've I've messed mine up. I'm gonna say Jose Alvarez is my next one. So nine, eight, seven, six. Um, okay. So then who's your next, who's your next person? Uh, so the number five is Jake McGee. Uh, and it's not that I think he's necessarily good, but I think, you know, they said he fixes mechanics. Yes. So maybe, and that's, that's more than you can say for anyone who's behind him on the list right now. Why would um, they lie about that? Why would they? <laughs> no one has ever lied about a guy fixing his mechanics after a 10 day, trip on the injured list and then a couple appearances in triple a uh problem <laughs> solved that's the end of that chapter that's right 
Um, I'm my ne- so then we're pretty cleared up. Mine is Zach Littell is my next one. So then three, six, seven, eight. Uh, who am I missing then? Uh, Alvarez. So yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. Okay, I know who my top. So we're in our top four then. Yeah. Um, okay. So my number four is Dominic Leone. And I think it's just he had a good month. And he had through nine in, he had pitched nine innings. He had uh, 12 strikeouts. He basically was his big blemishes were he gave up a home run in Colorado. Okay, that happens. And he gave up a a massive bomb to Francisco Lindor in that 13 to 12 game. Yeah, that's right. He did. <laughs> but he seemed mad about it. So <laughs> that's, that's all you want. If the guy gives up a home run, you want to see him mad about it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think we agreed last month that it was sort of, you know, his location, I think his location I, I feels it seems like his velocity has maybe gone up a little bit more, but he, he's pitched better for sure. So I trust him fourth best. Who's your number four? Uh, also, Dominic Leone. Okay. He, uh, you know, he had a good month. He struck guys out. He's looking more like himself. Gave up those two homers, but some, you know, there, it's you're not going to have like a ERA in the ones like he did last year every season. No. Um, yeah, it was a 151 ERA last year. He's at 338 this year. 338 ERA is fine. Uh, and this month he was basically pretty good. A couple bad outings, but nothing nothing to really worry about. So I'd say Leon is a pretty clear-cut number four. 12 strikeouts against one walk. So that's that's really good. Okay, so you're number three. Uh, my number three is Harlan Garcia. He, mm. uh, you know, he didn't strike a lot of guys out. Uh, he struck out, I think, four in ten and two-thirds innings. Maybe five. I bet it's five. Mm. Har- Harleen Garcia, 10.2 innings. He struck out five. Yeah, five. That's right. Um, that's in not 36 great, batters, please. Yeah. he only walked one guy, didn't give up a homer, um, didn't give up any earned runs. Uh, and he mostly looked good. He looked like the guy who Jose Alvarez should have been, except I cursed him. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and that's on me. I understand that. But, uh, you know, Garcia comes in and he'll generally do a good job. So, Harlan Garcia, number three. Uh, he's my number one. One other thing I wanted to add is hit this season, so not just May, but for the season so far, against lefties in 20 PAs, only 20 plate appearances against lefties, uh, they're hitting 056, 150, uh, 056. With the 150 on base and 056 slugging percentage against righties, 40 plate appearances, and they're hitting 139 with an on base of 225, slugging 167. So that's that's good. That's good. That's what you yeah. want. Nice reverse platoon split, or not Maybe even that. Just like you're really good against yeah. either. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, okay. So then your number two. Uh, my number two is Camilo Duvall. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. You know. He looks better, I think, than he did in April. Uh, he's still walking more guys than you want. He still walked four guys in eight innings, but he and he took a couple losses. But he, I think, objectively, he's a good pitcher, and he did he did a good job. It's just sometimes, you know, you give up a run here and there, and you take a loss. But uh, he's he's been doing his job, and he's when he's on, he's so good that you got to put him up high. 
Uh, he gave up a home run in yesterday's game or Sunday's game, and it was against the right-hander. He's given up two home runs this year. It almost feel, it feels like he's always on the verge of giving up a home run. <laughs> That's the weird thing. Um, he, he is really good. Uh, I think he does have issues with lefties at, at the time, if I recall his split, uh, however. So that's always one thing that keeps me a little uh, bearish on him. I have him as my number three. Um, uh, so then that leaves our, I already said my number one. And so you have your number one and number two. So who who are your one and two? Uh, so Duvall was number two for me. Oh, number two. Okay, so who's your and number then, one? Uh, Brebbia. John yeah. Brebbia. Um, there we go. He, you know, he had a good month. He yeah. uh, struck out a, a bunch of guys, walked very few guys, um, didn't give up any homers, and he did all that. You know, he gave up a few runs, but that's um, like uh, like most of the bullpen. Uh, Harlan Garcia excluded, and I think only Harlan Garcia excluded. He had a high BABIP against him. Um, so the defense was really letting him down. Um, the defense Which, yeah. let down everybody. everybody. Yep. So that's not on him. Uh, but you know, he showed up and he looks like, he looks like a solid pitcher. He looks like, um, like last year when he was struggling and Mike Kruko was like, would, you know, every time he struggled, Mike Kruko would say, you know, he's, uh, just give him one more year to recover from the Tommy John surgery. And he's going to, going to get right back into form. You're like, Oh, you're, you're so optimistic. Mike Kruko. You're so optimistic. <laughs> and in your mind, you're like, what is he? And you know what? Mike goes right. Yeah. Um, he, we gave him one more year and the Giants gave him one more year and he, he is rounded into form. He looks like an excellent late inning reliever. 12.2 innings pitched in May, uh, 14 hits allowed. So there's the defense letting him down. 369 ERA. Um, he's my number two this month. He was my number one last month. And it's only because I had to basically give the the stat the stat tiebreaker essentially, and the the remarkable split, the, the ways Harlan Garcia is even managing uh, righties. Um, I think you know Brebia being either the number one or number two most reliable relief arm two months in, you know that's our stamp of approval right there. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> uh, but I I feel like these top three are are solid that like that's and by the way these were three of the arms that we identified they were in the top five last month as well yeah so if we're anyone keeping track i mean luis gonzalez has just shot up the list (laughs) he has (laughs) i mean that's talent that's what happens when you talent and so who knows where he'll be next uh next month but uh okay so let's just run it down real quick doug who are your top 10 one more time all right, so we go Zach Littell at number nine, Jose Alvarez at number eight, Luis Gonzalez at number seven, Tyler Rogers at number six, Jake McGee at number five, Dominic Leone at number four, Harleen Garcia at number three, Camilo Duvall at number two, John Brebia at number one. All right, uh, I I went nine Rogers, eight McGee, seven Gonzalez, six Alvarez, five Littell, four Leone, three Duvall, two Brebia, and one Garcia. Um, and we'll see if if Gabe Kapler remembers to put all these guys on the lineup card uh, going forward, don't want that to happen again. Okay. So that's our episode for the week. Doug, where can people read your work? You can go to giantsdoug.substack.com. Read me twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, Great content twice a week. Not every day. Uh, (laughs) I'm not stealing the McCovey Chronicles tagline. (laughs) Great content twice a week. 
on my Substack. And uh, Doug will be taking next week off. He's on assignment, so there will be a guest co-host. But we will miss you, Doug. Um, and the Giants, just real quick, if you didn't know, they're going to be at Philly. And oh, my God, they're going to be in Miami. Uh, that's going to be brutal. Okay. okay I'm, I'm glad they're getting it out of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's that's why Doug took the week off. So well, we, <laughs> I but, don't uh, have to talk about them being in Miami. That's right. All right. The Croncast will be back next week with an all-new episode. Thanks for listening. Go Giants. Go Giants.